Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. I want to tell you um, a story about uh, a guy that I've been walking with for the, the last uh, couple of weeks. And when I first got on uh, a conversation with him, a talk, I, I began to ask him what's been going on in his life and his story. And he was sort of telling me that his, his marriage is just ready to just be done. It was on the rocks. I said, well, well talk to me about like what was going on. Like why, how did this happen? And he said, you know, I, I've been sort of running from the idea that like God is real. And I've realized that I need God more than ever in my life, and I'm about to lose my family, I'm about to lose my children, I'm about to lose all of the things in my life, and as I begin to just ask a little bit more question, you know, um, we have things that are underneath the soil and the surface of our life, right, and so we begin to realize that if you ask questions that are on the surface level, then you're just going to get surface responses, right, have you ever been in a conversation where, um, and maybe this happens at church, maybe you're sort of like the introvert that you like going deep really fast, and so if someone's just kind of high and by, you're just, it's just whatever, and so you can't really go into good conversation because you're like, yeah, there's no meaning there, and, and I didn't really like that, and so I just, yeah, it was just awkward. Or maybe you're a person where you like ask the deep questions really, really fast, right, and you're just like, hey, that's a really deep question really fast. Like, let's go get coffee or talk about that. Or, or maybe if it's like a guy who comes up to you, it might not be church or somewhere else, and he just like goes zero to 100 into like a really deep question, that could either startle you or pulls you in more. Who knows? But nevertheless, as I was talking to this gentleman, I, I had to ask deeper questions. You see, if you're going through something that's really devastating in your life, there is a reason and a meaning behind that. It doesn't just happen overnight, right? It's like if someone were to say, hey, Sam, I, I'm depressed. And the answer, the question is, well, why are you depressed? Well, you know, I just, I feel like my life just isn't going the way I planned it. Okay, well, talk to me about that. And then the more you ask questions, the more a person will open up their soul, and then you can start to understand what's taking place underneath the surface of a man or a woman's heart. You see, I, I would actually say that this is where you get into the soul level of a human because we have our behaviors that's right here. You can see my action and you have even access to some of my thoughts because when you ask me questions, I can give you my thought and my perspective so then you understand my mind. But can you understand my heart? And in order to understand my heart, then I have to share my soul with you. I have to share the deep things with you. I have to share the secrets with you. How many people in your life actually know your secrets? It's a scary question to ask, right? <laughs> How many people in your life really know who you actually are underneath the surface? Are you just a person that comes and puts a mask on and then leaves and takes the mask off? Are you a person in here the same that you would be at home? And so as I began to ask questions, I, I, I began to discover that there was an addiction in this man's life. It was a pornography addiction. And it drew him into places that he could just dream and imagine. He found his secret place, and his secret place was filled with darkness. He found his awe, but his awe was incredibly destructive to his life 
into his marriage, and he didn't even know it. But it had to come to a point where the secret was known. And when the secret gets known, you have to make a decision. What do you do about the secret that's brought into the light? Have you ever had that moment in your life where you had something that you were hiding and then the secret became known? Was it terrifying? (laughs) What was going through your mind when whatever that was was exposed? For some of us, it's no big deal because we... We don't really care. We kind of wear like our heart on our sleeve for some of us that have matured into Christ's likeness or just confidence. It's fine. Hey, man, you can know all my secrets. No big deal. Well, that's a confident man or a confident woman. But we start to cringe and get back into get back into the dark places when our secrets are exposed because we never wanted them to be exposed in the beginning. I want to ask you this question. Um, Have you ever asked yourself in the midst of this, who am I? And who am I right now? Like, is this the type of man that I want to be if I continue to do these things? Is this the type of woman that I want to be if I continue to go down this path? Because I'm living a secret, and should I just live in this secret and live in this fantasy? Because if I keep living in this secret and fantasy, well, what comes out of that? And I would say, to answer the question for you, maybe you're asking that, It's a life of loneliness. It's a life of despair. It's a life where you just live in the dark places and you never seem to expose the light because, my friend, the light actually brings healing. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago in John 3, right? Where that powerful passage that Jesus came into the world to save the world, but there were darkness, there was darkness, and he came to shed light into the darkness. Well, as we digest into this scripture, John throws it in again. He's sort of an artist as he shares his story. So the chapter before, he speaks of darkness, and now he actually shows it in real life, how Jesus speaks against the darkness, how Jesus exposes the secrecy of our life, and what he does with that. Am I good enough, though? Am I good enough in this? Am I good enough if someone knows? Am I good enough in this secret? Am I good enough? What will people think of me if they see or know or experience the exposure of the darkness of my life. You see, I want to talk to you today about soul cravings, about what it means to crave something so much, to want something so bad, and along the journey you begin to realize, oh, this thing that I wanted is actually not good for me, but I kind of like it. I kind of enjoy it, like it feels good, and it could be lust, it could be pleasure, it could be a secret thing, it could be money or expenses, it could be material things, it could be gossip, that you seem to know everything about everyone, so now you're at a higher rank than others, it could be social status on your Instagram or your Facebook, it could be the amount of views, whatever it is in your life. You have this personification of a mask that you expose to the world, but you don't want anyone to know what's going on deeper underneath the surface. And so there's a soul craving of more. Have you ever asked that question? Like, there's got to be more? Has, has Has that ever occurred to you? Like that, 
that thought, there has to be more in this. Like, there's no possible way this is life. Because, you know, as I keep doing this, what's, what's going to come of it if I keep going this route? There has to be more. There has to be meaning. There has to be joy. Like, the pastor's talking about joy and my delight, my joy. I don't have none of that stuff, man. How do I get that? Because I don't have it. Maybe you seem to be drowning and you keep sinking deeper and deeper. Well, you know what's beautiful is Jesus actually encountered someone that had all the same thoughts. He actually encountered this individual that may be your story. It's just individualized and it comes with its own texture and uniqueness, but the story is still the same. There is a soul craving that we all are searching for. In John chapter 4, it says this, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? I'm thirsty. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. And if you don't know or remember that, go back to last week when Jesus broke some barriers, right? But then in verse 10, Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with the well. It is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, and also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming to draw water. My soul is thirsty and I'm tired of coming back to this place. You see, when you're craving more in life, you will be drawn to what you believe will quench your thirst over and over and over again. And then what happens is you just get into a dark hole. And then you start to get comfortable in the dark hole. (laughs) And you just think the only thing that you can live off is the room to which you live in, which is dark. You sort of like make your house or your room in that dark place. And here's the thing. Um, I I get uncomfortable sometimes when I get to church on Sundays, if I'll be honest, because every single day, like throughout the week, I'm talking to men that are like, they're, 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 they're hitting rock bottom. And I actually find comfort that they can just be honest. Like they can just be real, man. Like the more you live behind your mask, the more you will be in the place that you're at. And so I actually enjoy talking to someone that is at the end of themselves. I enjoy speaking to someone that says, I don't have what it takes anymore. I tried it my way. I tried to drink from this water. I tried to live this way. I thought that this would quench the craving within my soul and it's brought me to emptiness. I I enjoy speaking to those types of people because they're just real. And sometimes we come to church church and we're so fake. And I can't stand that, like, we live behind these masks. And you know why? It's because we enjoy 
the secrecy of the darkness in us because we're afraid to be exposed. Because when we're exposed, we're naked. We're naked. And that's a very uncomfortable thing, right? And so for you, my encouragement, whether wherever you're at in this story, maybe this was a past moment, maybe this is something that's happened, or maybe it's happening right now, maybe it might happen in the future, but my encouragement to you is just be real. Because if you're not real, Jesus will pull it out of you. And I don't know if you want that. Again, we love that Jesus is love, but Jesus is also a judge. So, hey, man, do your thing. But sooner or later, when you sing, my God, my joy, my delight, when you come to church and say, he's my king, he's my Lord, but you're living a different way, sooner or later, he will pull out the darkness within you and it will be exposed. It just might be in front of him when you die. And I don't want that to happen to me, man. It, it, it actually might just be you live your entire life in the darkness. And you, did you, did you see that, that little snippet where it says eternal life? Many of us think because we were raised in particular churches, and, and I was too, and I loved it. There's nothing wrong with it. But we were taught this, we were sold this, this half lie, this half truth that it's all about just getting to, quote, heaven. That's beautiful, but what about heaven here on earth that Jesus actually prayed prophetically and apostolically that he, his father, would empower him in such a way to bring heaven here on earth? And so let's redefine what eternal life means. It starts now. Because your soul will never end. It can either, either be in hell with the flaming fire and whatever that is. In darkness for the rest of your life, it will be eternal. And I don't know what eternal means in that hell. Or it could be eternal with God. My God, my joy, my delight. But why not start it now? Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> I want eternal life now. I think the older I've got as I walked with Jesus and I've talked with him and I've wrestled through the scriptures and I've seen men fall and I've seen men rise and I stand at a distance and I hear people's stories and it's the same story over and over. It's a common denominator across the board that you and I are broken and the only one that can fix that brokenness is Jesus. And I'm biased, but I actually believe that. And so because I believe it, I'm going to live that out. And so you might think I'm weird that I talk about Jesus all the time, but I'm just living out the truth that's within me. You might think, hey, man, you're like too like Jesus-y on social media talking about sex and pornography. It's a little too much. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just that Jesus guy now because I actually believe that he brings life. And not only life, but, man, he's going to bring me life, life to the full here and now. So I got to walk in it, and I got to live in it, and I got to breathe it. But, but, but here's the thing. My actions must align to the truth that he speaks to me and to you. So my soul, if you knew me in high school, I'm glad it was the high school years for me. I'm so glad that I could say it was in high school because I don't have to say, hey, it was when it was in my 20s. I've given my life to Jesus in my 20s. And I'm just grateful that I had a mom that was praying for me because in high school I was a mess. And the mess might not have been your mess, like as bad as your mess was, but the mess was pretty bad for me and my family. 
because I was searching and longing for more, and I was trying to find it in women. I was trying to find it in validation. I knew the confidence I had. I was like the water polo guy. I was the tool in the pool. So <laughs> my buddy in, in Bible school gave me that, that label, and he's from, like, Pittsburgh. I'm like, what is tool? I've never heard that. I grew up in California. What is a tool? He's like, bro, you're the tool in the pool. And he made a rap song about it. That's what you do in Bible school. <laughs> and anyway, I, I can reflect back into those moments where my soul, it was just looking and longing for more, and I couldn't find the quench. My mom told me about it. My dad told me about it. I would go to prayer meetings, and women that were prophetic would speak over my life about it, but yet I couldn't get it unless I came to the end of myself. Jesus had to pull it out of me. It wasn't fun, by the way. It was because it was like, Jesus, no, you're my life, and I love you, and you're my joy, and I need everything from you, and I'll do whatever I got to take, but I was living a whole different lifestyle. And my Bible says that my God is jealous. He's a jealous God. And if you say with your mouth, he is Lord, but it's not in connection with your heart, there's a disconnect. So I want to, um, that, that, that man, he, he, we had the conversation. I'm like, hey, so tell me about this porn addiction. He's like, well, I, I lost intimacy with my wife and I've been with her for 18 years. And you know, the marriage, it got hard and it got difficult. And as I've learned and studied marriages, it gets really hard in year one and two. It's like, if you can get that through that, great. But you still got to work because if you just kind of barely got through it, there's a lot of things that are hard to put under the rug. And if you can weather through that storm and then you get into career and then you start having children and then right around year eight and nine, divorce spikes up again. Why? Busyness. Focusing on the children coming home from a long day's work and not having any focus on your spouse, let alone God? Oh, he's not even in the picture. I can't I don't have time to go to church, man. Bible study? Sorry. Reading the Bible? Nah, I'm just too busy, man. So what happens is year eight, nine, there's a, another spike. And if you could weather through that, it'll spike again in year 20 because you roll over. I don't know this yet, right? I'm not in year 20, but I can just imagine. You can imagine, right? You roll over in year 20, you're like, all of the children are out of the house. Who are you? I don't even know who you are. All of our focus was on the children, and it was on the sports, and all the sports, and the baseball, and the soccer, and it was amazing, and it was fun, wasn't it? But I don't really know you. I just know our children, but I don't know you. And in all of that, if God's not in the picture, what happens to the secrets of your life? Where's the moral compass, by the way? And so this man, he said the porn addiction grew and it grew, and then he got curious because he was lacking intimacy in his marriage. We don't talk about this in church, but you know intimacy is important. Do you know that? It's not just, if I say intimacy, what comes to your mind? If it's sexual, there's an issue because intimacy isn't just sexual. Do you know that? It's not just physical. It's emotional, it's spiritual, it's social, it's intellectual, oh, and then it's physical. So I can be intimate with you, but you do not have the space like I have the space with my wife to be intimate with her. There's different levels of intimacy. Do you know that? 
what happens is if we don't open up our heart and be vulnerable, you'll never have intimacy with anybody. So let alone when you get married, you don't even know how to open up your heart and your life and their secrets. Of course you're not physically intimate. You're not even emotionally intimate. You guys good with this, by the way? <laughs> so the reason I bring this up is because I was asking this question, hey man, what was going on? And he said, Sam, it, it, it got worse. I'm really ashamed to tell you this. I had never met him, so I'm like, well, shoot away, man. There's no judgment. I'm a pastor. Well, I'll be okay. He's like, actually, the, uh, the, I ended up cheating on my wife with the man. I'm like, oh, man, okay, well, talk to me about that. I said, so are you attracted? And he's like, I'm not even attracted to men. I'm like, so talk to me about the porn addiction. Were you watching same-sex porn? Yeah, I got curious. Oh, okay. So the secret became dark, and the dark became reality. You see how the lie works? I've talked to you about, about this before. When you believe a lie in your mind and then you live the lie out, it could even be in secrecy. The lie will eventually come to reality. And so I'm like, okay, man, we got a lot of work to do. And then I come to find out he, he had a lot of hap, like brokenness happening to him when he was a young man. Um, injustice done to his body when he was just a six, five-year-old boy. So there was an element of a distorted love. You know there's distorted loves, by the way? There's real love, true love, beautiful love, agape love that comes from God, and then there's distorted love. You don't want that type of love. Verse 10 says, so if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with the well. It is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than the father, Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did all his sons and his livestock? But the Jews had another way of using the word water. They often spoke of the thirst of the soul for God. That's what water meant to the Jew. You see, Jesus was not using terms that were bound to be misunderstood because if you read the story, it's like she doesn't understand what he's saying. It's just like the story in John chapter 3 of Nicodemus to Jesus. He's not understanding what Jesus is saying. Why? Because he's just looking at the surface level. He's not going deeper. She's just looking at the surface level. She's not going deeper. And with Jesus, it's always, I need you to get into the deep end so we can swim there. Why? Because your soul is, it's not shallow. Your soul is incredibly deep. He was using terms that anyone with spiritual insight would have understood. In the book of Revelation, that promise is, to the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of water of life in Revelation. The lamb is to lead them to springs of living waters in Revelation 7. The promise was that the chosen people would draw water with joy from the wells of salvation in Isaiah 12. The psalmist spoke of his soul being thirsty for the living God in Psalm 42. God's promise was, I will pour water on the thirsty land in Isaiah 44. The summons was that everyone who was thirsty should come to the waters and freely drink. Are you thirsty? You know, in our culture, uh, I don't know what generation is, if it was just like not too long ago. But um, for the millennials, you probably would understand when I, and even like the Gen Zs, it's like when someone's like, oh, that person's thirsty. 
You heard that? It's like kind of cringe when you hear it. <laughs> well, well, this is the story that we're reading. They were, quote, he, she was, quote, thirsty. Not for the things of God. And if you're not careful, you will get, quote, thirsty, trying, hoping that it will quench the cravings of your soul. And maybe for a moment it feels good, but the end result is a life of destruction. You see, Jesus offers you and I living water. Do you know that? That quenches whatever longing we are seeking. He satisfies that craving within our soul. Jesus went on to make a still more startling statement that he could give her living water, which would banish her thirst forever. Hey, I got water that when you drink of the water that I provide to you, you will never be thirsty again. But the woman still couldn't see what Jesus was actually trying to say to her. She couldn't truly hear because she was still stuck on the physical and not on the spiritual. How, how often are you talking to someone and it's just like you're stuck on the physical and there's a spiritual thing? I argue everything is spiritual. We can have a discussion about that one-on-one, -on -one, but I would argue everything in your life is spiritual. Here's the problem, though. Sometimes us Jesus people, we make things ultra-spiritual when they don't need to be. <laughs> can I give some examples? So it's like, oh, yeah, you know, man, this, this, this girl, or I want to get this girl, and, and then it doesn't work. It's like, well, you know, God, God has a plan, and it's going to work out. It's just right. And then after like 10 times of that happening, it's like, hey, man, stop making it ultra-spiritual. Like, you need to figure out how to talk to a girl. <laughs> That's the spiritual thing. Or it's like, you know, I'm just, I'm just waiting for God to move, and I'm waiting, and I'm just waiting, you know, where to go to school, and I'm praying, and I have five different options, and all of them accepted me, and now it's like God will just pick one for me, God. And so we make it really spiritual, and it's like, hey, why can't you just be practical here? That is the spiritual thing to do at times. Now, don't mishear me. You should seek God above all else. You should seek wise wisdom. But at some point, stop using God as an excuse for slothfulness and laziness and apathy. That frustrates me like no other. I'm trying really hard with my relationship with Jesus when someone says something and it's like ultra spiritual but like not practical. I, like, have to have a conversation with Jesus really quick. Like, do I say something about this? Because this is really frustrating. Why do we do that as Jesus people? Don't we realize that things, we live in a real world? But, yes, it is spiritual. Just don't make it weird. That's a whole other conversation. So have you ever heard the analogy, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make the horse drink? I love this analogy so much. I have a dog named Izzy, and I've recognized I cannot force little Izzy to drink water, even if I know she needs water. I can, have you tried to force a dog to drink water? It just doesn't work, let alone a horse. Good luck with that. But I've realized that Izzy will only drink water when she is incredibly thirsty, a horse will only drink water when it is about to die. All you need to do is lead the horse to the water. And if they're actually thirsty, they'll drink it. 
You know what I've discovered in my walk with Jesus? I've walked with people before. Sam, I want more Jesus. Man, I just want to live it out for God. I got a call on my life. I want to make it happen. I want to do it. What do I got to do? And it's like, well, we got to talk about the secrets. We got to talk about the habits. We got to talk about the thing that you keep doing because it's corroding your soul and you need to pursue holiness. So stop doing this one thing. Well, I just can't. You know, it's so hard. And it's just like, the water's right here, man. And I've led you here. You need to drink the water. The water's not me. The water's not even what I can say. The water is the spirit of God. Drink the water. Yeah. They're like, yeah, I don't know if I need that right now. <laughs> I don't know if I want it like that right now because I'm kind of comfortable in this space. But my friend, your comfortability, good luck with that. Keep running the race of comfortability. Keep running the race of just being stagnant. Keep running the race of just being lazy and see where that gets you in five, ten years and tell me how you're doing with that. That is spiritual. When God says, I have come to give you life and life more to the full, when God says, take this and it will give you eternal life, just drink from my well and you, don't, you won't ever have to thirst again. But yet we still refuse not to drink that water. What is wrong with us? And yet that's the story of us, isn't it? So often we know the things we're supposed to do and we don't do it. So often we know the song we're supposed to sing and we won't sing it. So often there is a darkness that is pulling us back because we're afraid to be exposed. Because when you drink the water of life, guess who the water of life is? Light. And it will expose you. Not realizing that exposure to the light actually heals you. That's what the enemy wants you to know. Hey man, if you drink that water, they're all going to know. If you come clean to your spouse, they're going to know. If you tell what happened there, and that's the terrifying thing of the darkness. Have you ever experienced that with your friends or with your family? It's like, I know you need this. <laughs> I know you need God. Bad. Like, it's clearly evident, man. You need God. And like, yeah, hey, you know, like, my, my favorite is, I don't even know if I should say it. My favorite is when someone is reaching out to me, but it's been multiple times, and it's like, I really need your help. I'm like, let me help you. And after the third time, there's a problem. I don't really know if you want help. Because you have to be willing to help yourself. You have to be willing to take that step. You have to be willing to drink. I can lead you to the water. Man, I've tried a hundred times, and the pastor heart in me, I'll just keep doing it. Hey, man, this time as I get a little bit older, I'm like kind of like challenging you a little bit as we're getting close to the water. Hey, man, like what you're doing is really dumb. Stop doing it. Drink the water. But after a while, it's your choice. I cannot force you to drink the water. God, did you know God won't even force you to drink the water? And yet he invites you. He, he woos you even. He calls you. The Bible says he knocks at the soul of your heart and says, let me enter in. Let me live life with you. Let me do life with you and live another way. This is what's going on in the conversation here. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call 
your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said, yeah, you're right, you don't have a husband. The fact is you have five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. The reason why I love this is because it's the perfect example is at some point or another, the light will expose the, dark, the, 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 the darkness in you. And it, it really hurts, right? Jesus says, yeah, actually, you're right. You don't have a husband. You have five. And even the one you're with isn't even your husband. You see, there are two revelations in discipleship to Jesus, the revelation of God and then the revelation of ourself. Please don't miss this. I'll say it again. There are two revelations in discipleship to Jesus, the revelation of God, but then there's also the revelation of ourselves and the damage and the sin that we do to ourselves. We never really see ourselves until we see ourselves in the presence of God. Then we are appalled at the sight. There is another way of putting it. Discipleship to Jesus begins with our inadequacy. It begins with the sudden realization that life as we are living it will not do. So we awake to ourselves and we awake to our need of God. So the thing that Jesus wants to speak to you right now is, yeah, you and your inadequacy, it won't work. You and your story, it will not last. It won't work. You have to realize that I am dying and I need to be resurrected. And the only one who can do that is not going to lust or going to greed or going to another man or another woman. It's not even your spouse. It's not even your children. It's not even your career. The only one that can quench that soul cravings is the living water. It's God. And you get to make a choice every single day, every single week, every single moment. Will I live? And will I pursue? And will I take the water of life? Here is what the scripture points out in front of you today. That you must awaken yourself to the need of God. I get a little um, uncomfortable when someone tells me, I'm good, man. Yeah, I'm good, bro. No, I'm good. I don't need God. Really? Oh, okay. So then what do you need? And oftentimes you'll find out if you ask enough questions, their need is in a source that will always deplete them will never sustain them. As I begin to walk with this man, it's just been a couple of weeks, I begin to challenge him on who he is as a son. I said, here's the thing, man. You, you want to live in the past? Live in it. You might not get your wife back. Sorry. Might not happen. You can pray. You can ask God. You can do all the things that you want to do, but at the end of the day, she has every right to leave you. But you know what you do need? You need God. You need to pursue him with every fiber of your being. You need to be challenged and you need to be called out. You need to stop sitting the bench and acting like everything's okay because it's not. And the more you go on this journey, the more the journey will end over and over and over for you in darkness. So pick your cross. Choose your sacrifice. Do you want to live in the old or do you want to step into the new? It's that simple. It's like, no, man, I want a new life. And today, you know, I told him, I said, hey, when was the last time you prayed for your children? I've never, 
I never prayed for them. Go pray for them. And he said, man, you don't understand. They're now telling me, hey, I really like that. Can you do that every night? I said, see, you've been so focused on trying to crave your soul and other things, you've missed the meaning of life. You've missed the beauty of life. You've missed the pursuit of life. It's to fear God and keep his commandments. And as you fear God, as you know God, as you learn God, as you experience God, he does something within your soul and he allows you to be a person springing with living water. Don't you want that? I, I want to be the type of guy, the type of father, that when I'm around my daughters, I'm a, a spring of water emptying out on them. I, I want to be the type of a friend that can call out my brother when they are about to kill themselves, maybe not physically, but spiritually. I, I want to I be the type of man that says, I'm so sick of how men are living today. I'm so tired of the apathy. I'm so tired of the stagnant nature. I'm so tired of like men thinking they can still live in the old way. It won't work, man. It's not going to work. You can't say, I want living water by taking the water of this world. It just will not work. You know what God said? Jesus said it. And I hope this hurts because it hurts me. He said, hey, man, you are, you are like water that's lukewarm. And I will not drink that water. It's too hot and it's also too cold. It's, just, it's like right, in, I would rather it be too hot or I would rather it be too cold, but it's lukewarm. You're half in and you're half out. That is an apathetic man. That is an apathetic woman. You are half in and you're half out. Hey, you're either in and you're out, man. Which one is it gonna be? For me, I can only speak for myself and I just invite you into the story to know I believe that God can change a man from the inside out. And he just got done telling me, he said, hey man, I got baptized when I was a little boy, but I feel like I should do it again. I said, did you know you got baptized? Like, did you make the decision? No. Okay, then, then, then you didn't really get baptized because your mom made that decision for you. When you stand before God, you think God's going to say, hey, where's your mom? Where? No, you need to make the decision for yourself. He's like, man, I want to get baptized. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's where life starts, man. That's exactly where it starts. Put your ring back on, by the way. Speak to your family with love. Serve them. It may not work. But what choice do you have? Darkness or light? I choose light over and over and over again. But it's scary, man. Yeah, it'll expose you. I just need to be, I'm okay to be exposed. Because I know that all of us, every single person, I don't care how long you've been walking with Jesus, you got some darkness in you. You got some darkness in you. I see it. And it might be small and subtle, but it'll pop out. That's what community is for. That's what discipleship to Jesus is for. So don't think you're above your fellow peers in your walk to Jesus. No, 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 no. We all got darkness inside of us. You, as Jesus, as the scripture would say, have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So, The days for you have to come to an end where you stop living 
like the woman at the well. Did you see how beautiful Jesus was to her? That is truth, what he showed her. I've told you that quote, right? Truth without love is cowardly. I'm sorry, truth without love is brutality, but love without truth is cowardly. So Jesus knew how to occupy both spaces. He knew how to love this woman well in her despair. Why are you even here? You should be back at your your city in Sakaar. Why aren't you getting water from there? Oh, it's because you're an outcast and all of the women and all of the men think you're, you're morally unfit. And so you've walked half a mile to come to this well. Well, let me love on you. Let me tell you what you're looking for. And then she still lied to him. And then he exposed the truth. Hey, if you want real life, take this water from me. And you'll get it, man. And you'll sustain it. And it'll breathe new life in you. So for you, here's the invitation of the Spirit of God. Have you confronted the inadequacy of your soul? Have you? Have you thought about it long enough? Do you have any inadequacies? Do you have any uh, things that are holding you back? And, And if you are, you're in good company. That's why you look to God and say, my God, my Lord, my, my delight, my joy. What do you ask of me, God? What do you need from me? What is it that you want from me? And he says, I just want your heart. I just want your heart. Just give me your heart so that you can be the man, so that you could be the woman that he has called you to be. I don't care what anyone else says about you. I just want to know what God says about you. And he says that you're enough His love for you is enough, but it's not enough for you to keep living this way. Do you see that? Please hear me very loud and clear. Jesus says you are enough because he loves you, but it is not enough for you to keep living this way. It's not enough. That is the eternal life conversation. Because I truly believe that we can say, I got Jesus, I love Jesus, I I love him, I want him, and we can wrestle with, with our sin and our brokenness, and we can have addiction, and we can get to the end of our life, die, and I still, I believe you will go to heaven, but what about the eternal life that was here? I don't know what heaven is or looks like, we can read about it, I just know right here and now what earth is, I can't wait for heaven, but my theology says that heaven will be here. Do you understand that? You will take you wherever heaven is when we get there. My Bible says heaven comes down. Read it. Heaven comes down here on earth. Here. So I, I need to figure out this earth thing then. I need to know, oh, heaven is within me. Let me live heaven out now. That is the invitation. That is the journey. So don't allow the inadequacy of your soul to cripple you. Just take the water from Jesus. Stop taking it from other places. And let him be the one that quenches the cravings of your soul. That satisfies the very essence to where you're saying, I don't know what I want, but I, knew, I know I need something. I don't know who I am, but I know, man, someone out there can say who I am. Well, stop searching. It's Jesus. It's God.
Will you stand with me? My encouragement to you with, with whatever journey you're on, maybe you're, you're like, yeah, that was me five years ago. Praise God. That's why we get to worship him because I'm not like I was five years ago. I'm not like I was 10 years ago. But if you're in, you're in this in-between and you're wrestling, I, I think it's time for you just to drink the water now. Like, stop running. Don't, don't allow anyone to force you to drink. You have to drink the water yourself. And it's filled with discipleship. It's filled with obedience to God. It's filled with walking in his way. It's filled with finding people around you to call you out because you're going to need it.